got to operate in truth, right? Operate in truth. Tell the truth. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Gator Truth, Florida Football Podcast. I'm Daniel, and on this episode, we're going to take a look at the Gators' upcoming trip to Death Valley in Baton Rouge against the LSU Tigers. This is going to be my third trip to Baton Rouge. Always a good time. Had a great time in 2019 when there, when there's that great battle between Trask and Burrow, and then 2021, not so great of a battle, but it was a great kind of show out for Anthony Richardson as he came in and led the Gators back, but ultimately not to the victory. One thing I can say for this game being a night game in Death Valley, of course, there is mystique around a night game. It is a 7.30 Eastern time kick where it is a 6, a 6.30 uh, Central time kick if you will be there with me. And, of course, there's lots of mystique around Death Valley at night and the fact that this is going to be in November rather than the usual October spot that we see this game. I believe the high for the day is 66 last I saw, which is interesting because the high, I believe, today was in the 80s. It's actually the lowest high that um, I've seen for Baton Rouge between now and the next 10 days. But that's a little bit neither here nor there outside of Florida really generally doesn't play great in cold weather, although there are exceptions like 2020 Tennessee. With that said, let's go ahead. Let's get into it. LSU, the number one offense in the country. Currently, they have the number three passing attack and the number eight rushing attack in the country. Their leading rusher and their leading quarterback. Uh, are one and the same, which is quarterback Jaden Daniels. There are at the beginning of the week uh, looked like he may have been out for the Gator game due to a concussion he sustained last week against Alabama. However, there are reports coming out that he might be ready to go for Saturday. If he does not go, uh, Garrett Nussmeyer, the son of former Florida offensive coordinator Doug Nussmeyer, will step up. Nussmeyer is not quite the quarterback Daniels is, but he's plenty capable on his own. Uh, Again, Daniels is the leading rusher with almost 700 yards for the Tigers and also their leading passer with 27 touchdowns and four interceptions on the year. And really just a great offense. Again, the number one offense in the, you know, in college football, or at least in the FBS division. They are coming off of that loss to Alabama, so that is something to keep an eye out for. Um, obviously, the key, some of the key storylines starting off is will Jaden Daniels play, followed by if he doesn't play, how does Garrett Nussmeyer play? We also have the Gators are currently on a four-game losing streak from 2019 to 2022. The Gators should have beaten the Tigers as the Tigers were not great in 2020 and 2021. However, did not. And then, of course, last year in the Swamp, we got down, battled back. Of course, Anthony Richardson sparks the comeback with an 81-yard touchdown run. And then 
unfortunately, due to things like a flag on Gervon Dexter, on a hit on Daniels that kept their drive alive, we weren't able to fully come back. But hopefully this year that will be a change. And then, so we've got those storylines of does Daniels play? How does Nussmeyer play? And also this four-game losing streak. A, another storyline is how do the Gears react to looking down the barrel at a possible losing season? The Gators are not going to be favored in the final three games. That I believe the point spread is over 13 points now for this game, especially in light of Daniels possibly playing. And then you've got a trip to Mizzou next week where we never play well and finish up with the currently undefeated Florida State Seminoles. So it'll be curious to see how this team reacts to, quite frankly, not being expected to do much the rest of the year, needing one win to be bowl eligible. Yes, there are exceptions to that bowl eligibility, but that doesn't change the fact that it's looking like a losing season, which is not what you wanted, and something that, quite frankly, is not acceptable. I said that last year. I'll say it again. Losing seasons are not acceptable if you want to get to where you're going. With that said, how does this team react? Does this team respond? Does this team feel like we've got our backs against the wall? We're going to go and show a different level. And sometimes teams do that. So that's why I'm curious to see what we get out of the Gators in Baton Rouge. Um, a game not expected to win, but there are plenty of times where in college football, the team not expected to win comes out and wins again in this series, 2020, 2021 LSU was, expected to lose and lose honestly handily and they pulled it off there's no reason the gators cannot be the team to do that here in 2023 and going back to the gators on offense or to begin the gators on offense you've got to first off get etn and trey wilson the ball i know other podcasts i've talked about i've seen it on twitter you got to get these guys the ball, and those people are right. I mean, we've talked about the difference in, you know, Trey Wilson and everyone else. He just is dynamic. You got to give him the ball more. We talked about how at Georgia, when we found ways to give him the ball on the first drive down the field and not necessarily in slants, although he did well on a slant for a touchdown at the beginning of Georgia, or at least taking it down deep. We saw a, you know, the offense being more dynamic when we're finding ways to give them the ball down the field. And then when we didn't do that or when we weren't necessarily using them creatively, the offense kind of stalling, not just in Georgia, but elsewhere. We saw the offense stalled without them in the Tennessee game. Once he went out, we did have a little more success, but that was also with the second part of that equation, which is Trevor Etienne who, again, Montreal Johnson is good. Trevor Etienne is just great, and he can take the – he's the one more capable of taking a small crease and turning into an amazing gain. I see a lot said about, well, their pass blocking is different. Again, Etienne had the better pass blocking game against Arkansas, and if you take away Georgia, 
their pass blocking ratings on pro football focus are generally the same. With that said, I think you got to give your dynamic playmakers the ball, find ways to get them in space. And this is the time when you're looking at losing season on offense, you've got to throw the kitchen sink. We can't just be sitting, throwing again, 11 out 26 completions behind the line of scrimmage like last week. We can't have 23 of 26 completions being under 10 yards like it was last week, especially as we go forward with the teams we're facing. We're going to have to be high octane to keep, you know, keep pace with these offenses of an LSU, of a Mizzou, and of an FSU. It is a big, big task that we have coming up in the next few games. And just to highlight that even further, LSU is the number one offense in the land. And next one that we have is FSU number 17. Mizzou has fallen down. And when I say fallen down to 36, we're talking Tennessee is only 30 more yards per game above them. and they're at 13 so it's really not that much of a difference when we're looking at these top offenses we're gonna face and some of that is just mizzou facing georgia last week and tennessee has yet to face georgia so again very interesting week for us but we need to be throwing everything to keep pace and i hope we see that from our play calling see a lot of that downfield action and creativity that we saw against South Carolina. And speaking of South Carolina, this is the worst defense that we have faced since South Carolina and will probably be the worst defense we face for the rest of the season. Currently, LSU is 96th in the nation as far as total defense. So it is a team I believe we can move this ball on. It's a team that I believe that we can definitely score on, even if it's a night game in Death Valley, even if the LSU fans are going nuts. This is a game that we could potentially turn into a track meet, and if they've got a backup quarterback and we're able to score and make it into a track meet, great things can happen. I would say that our key matchup really is getting our guys the ball in space in the passing game, whether that is slip screens, whether that is hitting a guy, you know, 10, 15 yards down the field on a deep pitch or deep out or a post route, finding ways, not seeing that two man route where two men have vertical routes. One guy just stands, usually Trey static on the sideline, waiting for a dump off. Instead, get him going forward. I wrote at Gator Chatter, I said, which is easier to defend in any sport, a static target, meaning they're not moving, or one that is moving. Of course, the static target is easier to defend. It's easier to keep an eye on. It's easier to make sure that they didn't get behind you, whether it's basketball, football, you know, hockey, soccer, whatever it is. If they're just standing there, a lot easier. But if you get that guy, instead of just standing sack on the sideline, you get him running a wheel like we did against South Carolina, things can happen. And hopefully we see some of that. 
and I give you examples from things we've already done rather than here's what we could do because I'd rather say let's or I'd rather give examples from within the playbook and things we have done rather than creating a wish list. We don't know if it can happen or not. Moving on to the defense, of course, we've talked about how great the LSU offense is, how they're, you know, number eight rushing, number three in the pass, and number one in total offense. And that's with Jaden Daniels. Again, he's their, um, he's their leading rusher, as well as, you know, one of the top QBs in the nation. If you had a defense, this team would be a national title contender. But unfortunately, they have not really done well on defense this year, which is surprising. Malink Neighbors is their top receiver who already has 1,100 yards on the year and looks to probably get to that 1,500-yard mark before it's over. For comparison, the Gators don't have a 1,000-yard receiver yet. However, it looks very likely that Ricky Pearsall will hit that number for the first time. The Gators should have a 1,000-yard receiver since I believe it was Taylor Jacobs did in 2002. Now, if Jaden Daniels plays, who knows exactly if he's 100% or not, because we've seen quarterbacks going to Death Valley coming off a two-week concussion protocol. Of course, I'm talking about Tim Tebow in 2009. Came in. That offense really didn't run as well as it did uh, prior to that. And there's just a general playing it a little bit more safe to make sure there wasn't further injury. I think if Daniels plays, they're probably going to be a little more safe, a little less aggression with his running, and that could help out our defense. Um for the most part, this is, again, a very dangerous team. Their top running back besides Daniels is Logan Diggs, who has 113 character carries yeah, for 635 yards, 5.6 yards per carry, and just like Jaden Daniels, he has six touchdowns. However, the big thing is through the air. Garrett Nussmeyer is not quite the dual threat that Daniels is, so if he gets back there, if we can get pressure, that will be a big key for this defense. A big key if Daniels does play is don't let Daniels beat you like you let KJ Jefferson beat you with his legs. With that said, Jaden Daniels at 6'4, 210 pounds is not quite the same size as a massive 250 pound KJ Jefferson. So hopefully that helps out. I have not yet seen the depth chart for this week, so I can't really say who we have coming and who we don't back. I will double check real quick. Um, we do see, I take that back. Uh, I do have it up. Uh, Sap looks like he's not going to be listed as injured, and Cameron Jackson looks like he could be starting back at nose tackle, of course. Jackson at 6'6", 360 pounds, is a matchup nightmare for some interior linemen, at least not as easily pushed around. As And you also have Big Dez, who does at times clog up that middle. And Tyreek Sack 
Sapp, even though he's a redshirt sophomore, has had plenty of experience, plenty of playtime last year, this year, coming off the edge. Not that Kelby Collins did a bad job last year or, or last week or Cameron James. And in fact, Kelby Collins was phenomenal last week. But it just helps to have that one more piece of depth and that one more experienced player to be able to come in on the road and help the team out. And hopefully we do see the Jason Marshall we saw against Arkansas where he only gave up two yards and did not miss a tackle as opposed to the Jason Marshall we had seen in some prior weeks where he was a liability where coming into the season, we thought he was going to be a first round draft pick. And Marshall, if he could turn it on and keep it on, it will be phenomenal. I said before the year, he hadn't given up a man coverage touchdown. And then, of course, first play of the season. Again, more on the safety, but he does give that up. Got over that hill. Just need him to play really well, just like I need Jordan Castell to continue to grow at the safety position as a true freshman. And I need Miguel Mitchell as a sophomore to step up even, even more. He's been hit and miss. He's had good games like South Carolina had a pretty decent game last week against Arkansas. Just needs to put it all together for for quarters, as well as having true freshman Bryce Thornton coming in, playing well. And if we see anyone else at that safety position, like an RJ Moten coming in, playing well as well. And then on the side, it looks like Devin Moore is probably getting the start. And he did a decent job opposite of... um, opposite side of Marshall last week, but again, could be better. Jalen Kimber, of course, redshirt junior, plenty of experience for Kimber and then more getting more experience. Hopefully these guys continue to develop. And if they can cause a little bit of problems for that, you know, LSU offense or cause a little bit of, you know, not, if they can clog up the receiving lanes a little bit, give the, defensive line a little bit more time we might be able to do something lsu's offensive line i believe still has very young tackles last year i know they started two true freshman tackles against alabama so young guys can do stuff and i hope our young guys continue to do that maybe this is a game where princely man man you know steps up at the jack position he's had a phenomenal year as far as creating pressures and had a pretty decent game against Georgia. Hopefully this is the week where he comes out and gets home and finally gets, you know, several of the sacks he's been missing and, you know, sacks change games. And hopefully last week we had a third down, probably into the game. If he makes the tackle instead, he arm tries to arm tackle KJ Jefferson, Jefferson shrugs him off, runs for a first down. Hopefully things like that are a, you know, learning experience for him. And after that happens, he's like, I could have sealed the game. That's never going to happen again. I'm going to make sure I break down and proper, properly tackle a quarterback if I have a chance. That's not ragging on the guy. That's just saying, hey, this happened. 
Now take that experience, learn from it, and do better, and I believe he can. This defense, it is young. I said before the season, you know, I've said to people, I believe this is 2007 where you have a young defense and the next year it gets better. Hopefully this is the game where we start seeing that improvement. There are many times we've had opportunities to do things like that KJ Jefferson play, and we just did not fully execute, did not get them down. Hopefully that changes, you know, this week. I'm not worried really about as far as our specialist. Yes, Trace Mack missed that kick the the other day. He's bound to miss a kick. Unfortunately, it happened when it did. This is the week where he can come out and make up for it. I remember when LSU's kicker in 2020 made an improbable kick that ended up winning that game. Meanwhile, Evan McPherson, a very, very good kicker in the history of Florida football, missed it. I was in that end zone. I was on that side of the goalpost when he missed it, and the ball landed not too far from me. So I've seen that happen. Maybe this is the game where UF gets that last-minute kicking win, and it's LSU who misses. Right now, we are working on hope, both for the offense, the defense, special teams. Hopefully on special teams, we don't. We have a week where we don't see something where we're scratching our head, where we don't have a play on special teams where only 10 guys are out there. And hopefully we don't get some weird answer about why that's okay again. It's not hard to come up and say that's unacceptable. It won't happen again. With that said, this LSU game is, you know, the time the Gators can make a statement. Is it likely we win? No. However, is there a chance with an LSU team that possibly has their backup quarterback and has a 96 ranked defense in the nation? Yeah, there's, there's definitely a chance. And I'm going to be there cheering it on and hope we have that chance. And as you know, I'm not going to pick against the Gators. I think that the chances really are we contain Daniels, keep them from running and take away part of that game. And if we can do that, it's going to help out in our passing game. And if it's not Daniels and you have a little bit less athletic uh, Garrett Nussmeyer, that's going to help us out even further. And with their bad defense, I think if it becomes a track meet and we focus on getting the ball to guys like Eugene Wilson and getting the ball to guys like Trevor Etienne and to guys like Boardingham and Pearsall, and we do see let's just get our playmakers the ball and feed them the ball and let them make plays, I think there's a chance that we can pull it off. That's the path to victory. I see if we do that. I will say, you know, if I've got to give a prediction, not picking against the Gators, I would say this is a 38-35 type game. Neither defense has done really well. Both offenses have shown at times. Well, LSU has shown all season. Florida's offense has shown at times it can be dangerous, especially when we have bad defenses. Like when we face South Carolina, who is a bad defense, Took advantage, put up plenty of points. I hope with some improvements with, hey, let's feed the ball to Wilson and Etienne, it can be another level. And then also defense, 
you know, if we can see the defense that got three straight stops against Georgia, there might be a chance where we just get a few key stops and we score when we get the ball back. That opens it up. So 38-35 will be my pick for the Gators against the LSU Tigers. And with that said, one last thing. If anyone knows any idea of LSU RV parking off campus, all the on-campus are full. My group, we've changed our plans several different times. Now we are taking an RV up to the game. If you know anyone selling an RV parking pass for the game, or if you know, hey, you can park here off campus, please reach out to us at Gator Podcast on Twitter or hit me up at GatorTruth133 on Twitter. Just send me a DM. Also, if you're listening on podcast audio, thank you so much. Be sure to download the episode and like and subscribe. If you're watching on YouTube, like this video, share with friends, subscribe to our channel. Our hope is to get to a hundred subscribers by the end of the season. I do know that we are getting more than that in the last few videos of views. Please like, subscribe. It does help this become a more visible video for others to check out. And hopefully we can continue to grow this podcast. With that said, thank you all for listening. And as always, okay.